Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. We're going to jump right into it this morning, uh, this evening, and I've entitled this um, just uh, being uh, joyful or serving the Lord with joy. And if, if there was a second title to it, I would just say uh, Seven Certainties for the Saint. And there's a lot, we're going to talk about that, a lot of things that are not certain in this life. You've heard that if you're very old, you've probably heard the term that says there's only two things certain in life. You remember what those are? <laughs> Death and taxes. Um, and uh, but we're going to talk about some other things that are um, certain. Um, let's open up a word of prayer, and then we're going to read Psalm 100 this morning. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for your love for us. And Lord, thank you for the hope of heaven. Uh, Lord, that the ones that uh, we know who died in Christ um, are with you. And uh, Lord, we have no reason to fear that, no reason to question that at all. And Lord, as you um, want us to uh, stay here on this uh, physical earth, Lord, help us to uh, serve you. But Lord, help us to not be idle, but serve you with joy, with gladness, with rejoicing. Um, Lord, with a, a full heart of thanksgiving, realizing that we are so blessed. Uh, for every challenge we have, we've really got a hundred wonderful blessings we can count. Lord, we thank you and we pray that you just continue to open our hearts and minds as we read your word in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 100, you're familiar with it, probably one of the, uh, besides Psalm um, 23, one of the most familiar of the Psalms, says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. It's kind of not an option for a Christian or a child of God whether or not you're going to serve the Lord. You're going to serve something. Um, you're either going to serve um, God or you're going to serve yourself. Of course, many serve um, their family and serve their community and serve in so many different functions. But the greatest uh, person, the greatest entity, the greatest um, organism uh, that you could ever serve would be the, the local church. So he says, serve the Lord with gladness. And you see that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the word, the name Jehovah. And that just simply means a self-existent um, one, the eternal. Uh, he needs nothing outside of himself to exist. And we see that term, that term for Jehovah or uh, Almighty God used four times in this chapter alone. It's used 6,500 times in all of the Bible. So if you've got a King James Version of the Bible, you'll see, and you can just highlight it right there, 6,500 times, that is the word Jehovah, capital R, uh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Make a joyful noise unto Jehovah, all ye lands. Serve the Jehovah with gladness. Always heard growing up, don't serve him with sadness, serve him with gladness, right? With a uh, joy in your heart. Um, and come before his presence with what? Singing. Uh, you guys do a wonderful, wonderful uh, job. Brian does a wonderful job in uh, leading your worship and, and singing here. Uh, verse 3, know ye that the Lord, again, Jehovah, he is God. 
It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I've never liked it when somebody comes up to me. I suppose when I was thinking about it, Don's probably only done this, my wife, a couple times to me over the years. I've got, uh, and say this, I've got good news for you, and I've got bad news for you. Because you always know that the bad news somehow outweighs the good news. <laughs> Whatever the good news is, it probably pales in comparison. And they're only using good news to just kind of make you somehow uh, allow the bad news to get past you. But I will say tonight, I'm going to give you, and, and so which one do you want? You want the good news first or the bad news first? Well, I'm glad because that's what I'm giving you uh, first. Uh, but I will say in this instance, the good news far outweighs the bad news. Um, and it'll become very evident to you. And this, like every message, uh, Dennis was speaking this morning, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Where There's always, 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 whenever the word of God is open, things to glean. We can always grow. We can always mature. We can always um, just... Uh, get a little bit closer to the Lord. Well, the, the bad news is this, and I mean it is bad news. It's your health is not certain. We've all had people we've loved uh, pass away, get sick, uh, die slowly, um, and some die suddenly, even our own family, uh, my own family, um, my own physically, physical family. Uh, did the funeral for my brother, and it was a little self-inflicted, and maybe a lot self-inflicted. He died of drug and alcohol abuse about eight years ago, one of the toughest funerals I ever did, uh, because you see a life that's wasted over many years. But nevertheless, uh, death is certain, right? I mean, it really is. Um, your finances, they are not certain. You know, I, I remember Don and I are getting ready to go to Florida this next week, praise the Lord, and... Uh, um, we're going to see some friends. When we left Chicago, first place we ever ministered to, we left uh, after a year and a half. I remember some friends, the Yoders, and by the way, it's a Mormon name, and uh, they're but they're great Christians. They are uh, not Mormon, uh, Mennonite. <laughs> uh, they're Mennonite, not Mormon. There's a difference. Both start with M, by the way. Um, anyhow, I remember it was our first year and a half. We left. We had no money in our pocket. I think my mom and dad didn't they, Don, paid our U-Haul way to get us back home. And we left, lived with mom and dad for six months. And these people uh, gave us $200 out of their pocket, same age. And I just thought they must have given us like $10,000. I mean, it was just a lot to um, a young person, you know, 23 and 24. You remember that, Don? I just, and so uh, hopefully we get to uh, buy them dinner when uh, we're down there. But I mean, it doesn't matter. Now $200 is still a lot. But it doesn't seem near as much as when we were young married, I had one child. And, um, but, you know, no matter how much money you have in the bank, um, life can happen, and it's not certain that you're going to be able to keep money in the bank. Um, in fact, it is certain that you're going to lose money. Uh, and uh, so we know that um, our finances are not certain. In fact, even your life. Bible says, a point on a man wants to die. You are going to die. Uh, 
And I wish I could look at these boys, my own kids, say, no, you will never die. You say, well, spiritually, you're never going to die. Absolutely, I'm getting there. But you are terminal. Every one of us are going to die. It'd be nice just to say, no, you'll never die. You're always going to be healthy, wealthy, good-looking, just like you are. No ugly people here tonight. Uh, And uh, truth is, we're all going to die. We're all terminal. And... uh, might not have as much in the bank as you've got right now. And you say, that's not a very positive way to start a Sunday evening message. I agree. This is the bad news you asked for. Um, your safety's not certain. And the reality is, you watch the news, there could be a World War III. I don't know. Could be Ezekiel 38, 39. This could be the war of Gog and Magog. Russia uh, unites with the Middle East and and possibly uh, North Korea. We don't know. There could be a nuclear holocaust. We do not know. I don't know. I don't certainly want that to happen, but it is possible. Um, I don't like that thought. I don't like it for my family. I don't like it for my kids. I don't like it for my grandkids. In fact, we just want everything just to stay steady. Amen? We want everything to be easy and nice. And why not? And why can't it be? Truth of the matter is... um, It's certain that things are uncertain. Nuclear war, um, persecution, uh, death are very real possibilities in our time. They always have been. Dennis preached about this morning. We see our brother Paul in jail for doing what? Just simply doing what I'm doing right now, preaching the gospel. And uh, we know that over 100,000 Christians every year are killed brutally just for being Christians, and that's probably a light number, North Korea, the Muslim countries, many of these places. By the way, when, when at first, I, I remember talking to our church when the mass thing first happened a couple years ago, um, I, I felt ashamed that many people were saying, and I didn't want to wear a mask, uh, didn't, uh, you know, we, we tried to tiptoe through that thing like any other church, but I was ashamed for myself and even our church, I'm confessing to you, that people were not coming to church because they thought that they might have to wear a mask at church. And again, I don't want to wear a mask, but there are literally people dying to go to underground churches in China. That's a shame. I mean, it really is. And you look at world history, uh, church history, that people... They just want to get together and love and pray with one another, but we as selfish Americans cannot, and I'm not trying to be negative here tonight, but the reality is we're just selfish, and no, I'm not going to wear a mask if it means I'm going to go serve and pray with them and listen to some preaching. No, you know what I mean? It just just seemed uh, not right for people to do that. Persecution, death, um, and even your family. Um, I, I'm not going to go into it, but I've, I'm the youngest of four siblings, and I've not had... I love my siblings, but I have not had wonderful siblings. And, in, and then later on in life, when uh, your parents get sick for the last 15 years, my wife and I have taken care of my mother. And my siblings have been nowhere around. And so I feel like siblings, well, who needs them, to be real honest? You know what I mean? They've been no good, and they're not there when you need them the most. So even siblings... Um, honestly, uh, there's an uncertainty there. You say, oh, not my siblings. Well, I thought that at one point. What are you trying to say? I'm just trying to say there's a lot of uncertainty in this life. And you know that. That's the bad news. But I'm here to give you mostly good news. Amen. And then we find it actually in, in, in Psalms here. 
Psalm 100, you've probably never looked at it just like this. I preach this a few times over the years, and it's a very big encouragement to me. We're going to get through it kind of quickly here. But the good news is this. In the first one, we read it right here, why we can serve God with gladness. First off, the good news and the first certainty for you as a Christian is not all the uncertainty we talked about. We can add a hundred things to that that's uncertain about life. But the biggest certainty here is that the Lord, remember L-O-R-D, capital, is what Jehovah, the self-existent one, he needs no one else outside of himself to exist. Jehovah is what? God. He's God. Now, what that means is you're not God. When, you, when the word says he's God or somebody else is God, that means that you're not God. You have no Godhood in you. In other words, you need to take all the things that God is responsible for off of your plate. Amen. Amen? And what does that mean? Well, first off, that there might be a meteor and destroy this planet. It might happen. In fact, you read the book of Revelation and the trumpet judgments in the, uh, the, the um, uh, seal judgments. There will be, during the great tribulation period and the tribulation period, the seven year and the, the, the great tribulation by definition is the last three and a half years, there will be meteors striking this earth and it will destroy, destroy the trumpet judgments, the, uh, a, a quarter of the earth's population in the, the uh, trumpet judgments then, um, uh, the first is a seal judgments, then the trumpet judgments is going to kill one third of the planet. That's almost half of the population just with those two uh, seals. And, uh, but what we see here is that that is not in your wheelhouse of responsibility <laughs> to worry about meteors, to worry about plagues, to worry about whether food, whether you're going to be able to, uh, again, pay your bills, all those things. Now, you've got to, now listen, it's foolish to just eat anything and think that you're going to live a happy, healthy life. You've got to be a good steward. Amen? You've got to be a good steward of your body. It's impossible for you to ingest news or all kinds of craziness that's in our society and think that you can think straight and not be burdened down. Uh, when you fill your mind with burdensome things, you're going to become burdened. But I want to remind you what worry is. Worrying is accepting responsibility for something God never intended you to have. And the first point here, the first certainty for you and I from the Psalms is that he says, know you not or don't you know that the Lord, have you not realized, are you not thinking clearly enough that the Lord, he is God. What's that really mean? Well, first off, someone is in charge of heaven, and it's not you. Somebody's in charge of hell, and it's not you. Somebody's in charge of justice, yes, even though you feel like justice doesn't grind, it does grind, but it may grind slow, but it is grinding. Every one of us will stand and give an account before God. The lost to their own damnation at the great white throne judgment, the saved will be rewarded, but also judged. Uh, you see that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's kind of a very intimidating thought, isn't it? <laughs> to give an account for your, how you've been a parent, how you've been a Christian, how you've been a citizen. Somebody's in charge of justice. Somebody's in charge of world wars. Scripture still says that the 
king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he moves, as rivers of water, he moves the king's heart wherever he wants. World leaders, weather, health, that is what God is in charge of, and not to be limited to those things. God is the one who answers prayer. God is the one who protects. God is the one that forgives and gives eternal life through his son. God is the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, God says that I will be with you every moment and every place that you will go. No matter who's in the White House, the Kremlin, the Buckingham Palace, God is still the Lord. Amen, church? He's still God. So all these uncertain things, stop consuming about those because, listen, those are out of your wheelhouse. You can't do anything about it. What if my kids get sick and die? What if another somebody dies? You can't do anything about it. All you can do, yes, preventative, but he's God. When your number's up, your number's up. Amen? I don't want to expedite that, no doubt. You teenagers need to slow down. No matter how you feel, no matter what you think, the Lord is God and he's still in control. Isaiah 46, 9 says, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. He says, declaring the end from the beginning. By the way, I want to point this out. He doesn't say not only knowing the end from the beginning, declaring, speaking, ordaining the end from the beginning. From ancient times, the things are not yet done. He says, my counsel shall stand and I'll do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east and the man that executes my counsel from a far country, yea, I've spoken it. I'll also bring it to pass. I purposed it. In other words, I have a purpose for all things and I will also do it. That's a great certainty, isn't it? That there is a God in heaven and he's not you. You ever feel like you're responsible for everything? I want to tell you, you're not. You're not. You're not responsible for near as much as you give yourself credit for. So stop doing that to yourself. Stop. Just stop doing that. Certainty is there is a God in heaven, and he loves you. Amen? Number two, certainty. It's in Psalm 100. He says, know ye not that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us. Right? So there's a God. But not only that, think about it. Why does this even matter? Well, first off, you think that you, by your eating right, you're being, uh, um, getting physical, uh, getting in shape, that you, somehow you're doing the best for your life. Honestly, that helps. But really, again, it's, your body's God's. And God's going to do what he will with it. Um, it is he that made us. You think about this. Some of these will blow your mind. I'm sure some of it's not new to you. You started out smaller, smaller, smaller than just a simple period at the end of a sentence. And that simple period at the end of a sentence was pre-programmed with who you would be already. The color of your eyes, hair, skin, your facial features, your personality and your abilities, all pre-programmed. By the way, you don't have something of um, complexity that happens by accident. A program has to have a programmer. And we know there is a God because of that. Everything that you ever would be physically, mentally, were in that little egg and in that little sperm. 
Everything that you ever would be. Can you imagine that? It's just amazing. And that is not limited to 206 bones, 650 muscles, 590 miles of hair, uh, 10 vital organs, 20 square feet of skin, 100 trillion cells, 14 octillion atoms, uh, 60,000 miles of blood cells, 25,000 miles just around the planet once, uh, 100,000 miles of veins in your bodies. Scientists say that your heart will beat 3 billion times in your lifetime. That's 7 gallons a minute and 2,000 gallons a day. Every day your blood in your body uh, travels 12,000 miles. <clears throat> you have over 650 muscles in your body. And to take a single step, you use more than 200 of those muscles. There's over 60 muscles in your face. You've heard it. It's true. It takes 20 muscles to smile and 40 muscles to frown. You inhale and exhale over 25,000 times a day. And you never give it a thought, do you? You produce 25,000 quarts of saliva in your lifetime enough to fill two large backyard swimming pools full of saliva. Some of you three or four. You will shed over 40 pounds of skin in your lifetime. And we shed our top layer of skin every 30 days. That's why, by the way, your mattress is heavier each time you move. <laughs> True story. True story. Why say all those things, Jim? Because it's simple. I mean, that's not even 1%. Your body does all these things, and you've never even really given it a second thought. Not only a certainty, is there a God in heaven? No, you're not, that he is God. It is he that made us. All those things, I mean, you just came in here breathing, your heart's pumping, you're like, oh, man, i got to remember to breathe. i got to remember to let my heart beat. Oh, I got to remember to let my nails grow. Oh, I got to remember to let my hair grow. Oh, I got to remember. No, you, I got to remember to use the restroom. I got to remember to change my clothes and bathe, right? I mean, that's pretty, I mean, that's men. Women got to do a whole lot more. But, uh, but think about it. All these internal things, there's somebody else taking care of all of that. Are you with me? Why is this important? It's so important. Because you go outside of these doors and you think somehow you're the master of everything because you heard that a bomb might hit somewhere. Listen, God is in control. And if it's going to happen, it is going to happen. You need to realize that there is a God in heaven. That's a certainty. And that he made you. That's what this word says. Know you not that he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. That's a powerful thought, amen? really is. Third certainty is this. He says he doesn't stop there. Is he that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people. Man, he, he, now it's getting personal. We are his people. By the way, you know, people say, well, we're all children of God. No, only those who've been redeemed are the children of God. We're all created beings. The only children of God are those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's a Bible definition. You're not a child of God. 
Of course, that's why we're on a mission. Amen? <laughs> that's why we talk to people and help people and witness. That's why we're ambassadors. Incidentally, just real quick, I, I know God got a hold of my heart at the age of 12. I remember dad's service. I think it was around 12. He gave his heart to the Lord. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. Young boys, young girls, during that age, 10 to 14, seem to be a little bit more sensitive to the leading of Christ to give their life. Not, God doesn't want everybody to be a missionary, everybody to be a preacher, missionary's wife or preacher's wife, but be careful uh, that you are making sure your children are serving the Lord at all times, but certainly during those times, that they don't miss the voice of the Lord. We are his people. Scripture says, 1 Peter 2, 9, you know it, says, but you are a chosen generation. This is not the Jews only, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show for the praise of him that hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now a people of God. He's called all Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, you name it, every race, and we see that in Revelation 5, all standing before the throne of God worshiping, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are his people. Uh, aren't you thankful you're his people? You're not his people, by the way, and you're not part of the uh, family of God if you've not personally put your faith and trust in God. And then he goes on, familiar thought. Not only are we as people, we are his sheep. Why does he call us sheep? I mean, that's a term used at least 220 times in the scriptures. There's a lot of parallels. I'll just give you a few. Sheep aren't intelligent. <laughs> You've heard that. How many of you have ever raised sheep? We've got some people in our church right now have sheep, and we've got many others who have goats. And if you tell, oh, so you got sheep? We have goats. And you tell the people, uh, you have goats? No, we have sheep. And, uh, I mean, there is a, it's a big difference, and you'll have to ask them what the difference are. But I, I will say that the people with sheep will agree that the sheep are savvy, but they're not intelligent. They're cunning. And so being not intelligent, they're susceptible, and they tend to wander away from the protection of the shepherd. Um, they're also sheep are directionless. They get lost easily. Um, they wander from the flock. Uh, sheep uh, get weak and tired and want to give up when they are away from the flock and also uh, the shepherd. I, I've always thought this to be funny, is that sheep cannot get up on their own. Uh, sheep do not naturally lie on their backs and they can't easily right themselves. Have you ever seen that? It's a true story. I mean, especially the, the weightier they get with their coat, uh, they cannot many times right themselves. And you pull up YouTube videos and people push them back up. And I found it somewhat similar to Christians. Um, without the community, without the body, without accountability, without discipleship, we just get farther and farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. Also, sheep remain dirty until somebody cleans them. Uh, Sheepskin's full of uh, an oil called lanolin. Lanolin comes through the skin, coats the, uh, the wool, and it conditions the wool so that the animals stay uh, 
warm in cold weather. And every time a sheep lies down, grass, dirt, burrs, dust, and everything like our dog Roy, um, and everything imaginable clings to its coat. And sheep have been called huge walking Velcro strips. Uh, and sheep must be sheared for their own good. You see their picture of Shrek the sheep. Shrek the sheep became famous a little while ago. How many ever seen this picture? Um, uh, for hiding out in caves for nearly six years. Because of his isolation, his fleece was never shorn, and it grew and grew. And by the time he was finally shaved, the amount of fleece that fell from his body weighed 60 pounds. Usually, it's only 10 pounds. And so for six years, Shrek carried six times the regular weight of his fleece, all because he was away from his shepherd and away from uh, the fold. Shrek is much like the person who knows Christ, but is wandering away without the shepherd. You ever been there? Yeah, we've all been there, right? And what do you do? You um, unintentionally take all the worries and pains and and uh, heartaches of this world, and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. The problem with that is you can't be light to the people you love. You can't be a burden bearer to people when you're carrying your... You just almost can't. It's almost impossible. But when you find help in Christ, when you continually get your sin or your wool uh, shorn, guess what? You come clean. Amen? And we are his sheep, and the sheep of his pasture. I like this one. Verse 5, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. What's it mean that God is good? Simply, God's goodness simply means that God has no evil in him. All his intentions and motivations are always right. And the outcome of his plan is always for good. Kind of, Scripture bears that out, doesn't it? And we know that all things work together for what? Good, the good, to those that love God and to those that are called according. A few verses here. And thinkest thou, O man, that thou judgest, uh, which does such things, and you do the same, that, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God is good. He's patient. Amen. You would not be here today if it wasn't for God's mercy and God's grace and God's patience. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the fact. He's good. He's patient. And you say, well, I'm not. Well, we've all got places we got to grow. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. The last two certainties. Not only is he good, but the psalmist says that in verse 5, that his mercy is everlasting. Mercy, synonymously, is in the Bible, pity and compassion. It really means to forgive and withhold punishment. Think about it. I don't want you to raise your hand, but is there something that you have done that is worthy of punishment, but you're glad that you're getting mercy? Amen. He is not only good and does things for our good and for the best of good, but he's merciful. He forgives and he withholds punishment. Listen, it's what Jesus says. As I've forgiven you, you ought to go and do this with one another. That's, that's something you got to do every day of your life. 
got to let people off the hook. Amen? I told you a little bit about my siblings. That is, my wife knows this. Some, our church knows it. I've got to let my siblings off the hook time and time and time again. I love them, even though they're jerks. <laughs> truth, truth is, we've all been jerks. Amen? We're all jerks sometimes, and we need God's mercy. Raise your hand if you've ever been a jerk. All right. Absolutely. I know most of you and most of you are jerks. <laughs> we need his mercy. But aren't you thankful that word everlasting means it never ceases? Amen. He's merciful and it never, you can't, in other words, you can't exhaust his mercy. You can exhaust my mercy. <laughs> I bet I can exhaust your mercy, but he can't exhaust God's mercy. By the way, he says it's the goodness of God leads us to repentance, but it's his long suffering that leads. It's why he has not returned, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him and his righteousness unto the children's children. His mercy is inexhaustible. The last one, the last certainty. And I'm sorry if I went long, Dennis. Last certainty is his truth endures to all generations. Not just this generation, but every previous generation and every future generation. What's that mean? Just simply means that what God has said will come to pass. There's, he's not a liar. He doesn't change. It's part, another part of the character of God. He's immutable. He never changes. And he can't lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Titus 1, 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So certainties, not your health, not world war, not nuclear war, not your finances, none of those. Those are not certainties. Uh, you, you've got a straw man if you think those are your certainties. Your certainties is that there is a God in heaven. And he made you and keeps everything running. You've got, you got to be a steward, right? You've got to do what you've got to do. But he's keeping you together. Amen? It is he that made you, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Why do we do that? It's because we realize he's God. That's why we can do it with gladness. That's why we can have gladness because we realize, you know, you know like, yeah, we're just dumb kids who just... Enjoy life. Why? Because my dad's taking care of everything. Really, in, in essence, that's the way you can live life. Amen? My father's taking care of all the. You say, no, I've had so much loss, you don't know. Listen, your grief will not make it to heaven. Whatever you've gone through, it's going to be erased in heaven. He's going he's to wipe every tear from your eyes. He will. And he's going to right every wrong. See, when you get that kind of view, you get a big God in view. And you realize that, man, I, I'm worrying about way too many things. Amen? I just am. I'm caring too much. Worrying is accepting responsibility for something God never intended you to have. We can be glad, rejoice. Why? Because we have eternal life and you can never lose it. Amen? Many promises. I got a whole list here. I, they're not going to be up on the screen and I'm not going to read them all. I've done a series, Dennis, a couple times and I... I uh, I'll text it to you or any of the people in church who wants it, but it's just a really good study about what our glorified bodies will be like. Uh, pretty neat study. Um, a lot of, obviously, verses with it. A few points here is that our bodies, and these are, this is what's promised in the Bible, 
is that your body would be like Christ's body. You remember the resurrected Christ. He could go through walls. Also, we'll have like an angel's body. And if you want to delve into that a little bit, um, whether you want to put all the angels in one category or not, but if you read in Revelation, also in the book of Daniel, that the cherubim move like lightning. Well, if you study lightning, lightning can go one-third of the speed of light fast. Um, and uh, we will have angel-like bodies. Uh, that's pretty quick. You said, man, I can't get across the room without breathing heavy. How am I going to do that? You will have an unlimited incapacity body. Listen, don't try to upgrade this one because it ain't going to happen. Be a good steward, but one day you're going to have a, uh, a body that is uncorruptible. In order to be able to, to travel the galaxies and outer space and experience heaven, this corruptible must put on incorruption. You must have that body. These are the promised things of life. Not just a, a mansion in heaven, not just seeing friends, but a glorified, perfect body that will never perish again. And that's what we see right here. His truth endures to all generations. In other words, what he, if he said it in this book, you can take it to the bank. Amen? Those are some certainties um, from the God who cannot lie. Why don't you bow your heads, get along with the Lord. Are you relying on the straw man you've made up, all your things that are trying to make you certain? Uh, getting enough money together, getting this. And we've got to do those. We've got to provide housing and food and, and uh, retirement. There's nothing wrong. In fact, those are good steward, uh, stewardful things for us to do as humans. But honestly, we are citizens of heaven. Remind you that. We're citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, the Bible says. If you're saved, you already have reservations there. Take that to the bank. So the certainties, look them up later. Again, there's, he's God. He made you. He's good. You're his people. You're his sheep. He's truthful. And he's merciful. Whatever your need is today, maybe you just need to tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for getting me through this difficulty. Thank you so much for your grace, your provision, your love. So many things that we, uh, he's given us and he's granted us. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.